Our second reading today comes to us from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 22, verses 47 through 54. While he was still speaking, suddenly a crowd came. And the one called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, is it with a kiss that you're betraying the Son of Man? When those who were around him saw what was coming, they asked, Lord, should we strike them with the sword? Then one of them struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple police, And the elders who'd come for him, have you come with swords and clubs as if I were a bandit? When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. This ends the reading of God's holy word. May God add many blessings to the hearing of it. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we have come into your house and gathered in your name to worship you. Enable us to hear your call in our lives. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts here together be found pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Our Lord, our Rock, our Redeemer. Amen. Friends, last Sunday after church, I got in the car and I started it. Makes sense. And the radio came on as it does when you start the car. And I don't remember if it was on NPR or is on WTOP. It depends who drove it last, Heather or I. And the news came on. And my heart sank as it has so often recently when reading the news or listening to the news or watching the news. There had been another shooting in Baton Rouge. Three police officers killed, three more injured, one shooter dead, maybe more on the run. They didn't know yet how many suspects There were. And this capped two weeks of violence that started in Baton Rouge when a man being arrested was killed. And then there was the shooting in Minnesota where a man reaching for his identification was shot by a police officer. And then in Dallas, a sniper took out five police officers during a Black Lives Matter protest, and more violence, and more death, and more violence, and more death. And this is on the heels of the shooting at the Pulse nightclub just a few weeks earlier. It's become more than I can take. So many lives lost needlessly. 
Crime in the United States is at almost an all-time low, but you would never know it by listening to the news. About how hearing these individuals and these people being killed, being shot. These lives lost. These families who will never see their loved ones again. These have had more ramifications than just that. They've had society-wide justifications. It's created more division in our society than ever before. African-American versus police officers, liberal versus conservative, gay versus straight, pro-gun versus anti-gun, black lives matter versus all lives matter versus blue lives matter. Division upon division upon division. And the division leads to violence and leads to antipathy. And our society starts to crumble. And you have to ask, what can we do about this? What is the solution? We need to end the divisions. We need to realize that when somebody says black lives matter, they aren't saying black lives matter only or black lives matter more, but that black lives are in danger and need attention right now. We need to realize that police officers work in a very stressful and dangerous job. They put their lives on their line every day to protect our society, and most of them are good, wonderful people. But above all, we need to remember that the actions of a few do not represent a group as a whole. I don't care if they're black, white, Latino, police, street thug, uh, you know, conservative, liberal, gay, straight, I don't care what they are, the actions of a few do not represent that group as a whole. And we need to remember that just because someone looks differently than us, talks differently than us, or heaven forbid, thinks differently from us, that does not make them the enemy. So what do we do? As followers of Christ, as we so often do, we look to Christ. In today's scripture reading, Jesus is in the garden following the Last Supper, the Passover meal, and He's there with His disciples. When a crowd comes with Judas leading them, and there's police, and there's temple officials, and there's temple officials' slaves, and they've come to arrest Christ. And imagine how the disciples felt. Jesus has been foretelling His betrayal, His arrest, His death for months now, and they haven't listened. But here it is, it's coming true. And the crowds have come to arrest Him. And they feel threatened. And so a disciple, the Gospel of John tells us it's Peter, pulls out his sword and swings at one of the people. It's a slave of one of the temple officials and cuts off his ear. You can easily see how this violence could quickly beget more violence. 
Violence against the authorities could cause the authorities to be riled up and attack the disciples, to arrest them, to enslave them, to imprison them. They threatened one of their own. They attacked one of their own. What were the, how would they respond? The temple officials were on guard. The disciples were on guard. Tensions were high. And all it took is that one spark of violence to create a fire. But then there's Jesus. And Jesus sees another way. And Jesus knows that conflict, that violence, is not the answer. So He commands Peter to put his sword away. But He knows that's not enough. So He reaches out and He heals the injured man. He reaches out and heals the divisions that the violence has created. He diffuses the situation and leads forward another way. One that does not result in conflict, does not result in violence, does not result in dismemberment or death. But one that comes from reaching across the proverbial aisle and offering a healing touch. Jesus told us that we need to love our neighbor. He said it's the second commandment. The first is to love God, but the second, just like it, is to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And in our society, we don't love our neighbor anymore. That's part of the problem. That's part of where this division, these this violence comes from is not loving our neighbor. Because before we can love our neighbor, we have to know our neighbor. And we don't know our neighbors anymore. God was a stranger to the Israelites. God had reached out time and again But they wouldn't listen. They turned their backs on God. So God sent Jesus Christ. God sent Emmanuel. God sent God with us. So that we can know God. So we can stand with God. So God could stand with us. Before we can love somebody, we have to know somebody. And that's why Christ was the incarnate of God's love. So that we can know God. So we can love God. So we again should follow Christ's example. We should seek to know our neighbors so that we can love our neighbors. Then we can reach across the aisle. Then we can offer a healing touch. There's a story out of Wichita, Kansas last week about a group that was planning a Black Lives Matter protest. And so they went to the police department to file out the proper paperwork so that they could have the protest. And the police chief heard about it and met with the organizers. And they came up with a different idea. 
Instead of having a Black Lives Matter protest, they decided to have a community-wide cookout. And it was the people who would have been at the protest. It was the people from the neighborhood. It was the police department. And they engaged in honest and painful discussions. The first question asked by the the would-be protesters were, are you trying to buy us with food? And the chief said, no, we're trying to get to know you. And they started building those bridges. And they started reaching across with those healing touches. I read a blog article by a woman by name of Hiva Akbar, who's a Spanish Muslim woman who was on a flight from Madrid to London recently. And there was a delay, and they were on the runway for about 40 minutes, and during this time she got a text from someone who she was organizing an Islamic gathering with who said that the van where they kept all their supplies had been broken into and a lot of stuff had been stolen. And so she wrote by text, may, may Muhammad, or, um, may Allah make the rest of your day be easier. After she'd wrote this, the woman sitting next to her got up and she assumed to go to the bathroom. And after a few minutes, she came back with the flight attendants. And she'd complained to the flight attendants about what the woman had wrote. It had been in Arabic, so the only understood, word she understood was Allah. And this Muslim woman's heart dropped into her stomach. And she was so afraid that they were going to kick her off the flight because this woman had complained about her without knowing what she had written. And the flight attendants asked her and she told her story. And then the flight attendants turned to the complaining woman and said, well, if you have a problem with this, you're free to depart the plane. And the woman decided not to. And then there were no other open seats, so she was stuck sitting to the next to this woman for the next several hours. Imagine that awkward of a situation. Here's a woman you just tried to get kicked off a plane, and now you have to sit next to her. A woman you accused of being a terrorist, and you are stuck next to her in that little space for the next few hours. So Heva decided to take it into her own hands. And she wanted to understand what the woman felt and why she was so afraid. And so she asked her, and she said the first 15 minutes of conversation were terribly awkward. But then they started to find things they had in common. The woman was a devout Catholic and very firm in her faith, and they talked about the similarities and differences in their faith. And they talked about their children and their families. The article ended with a beautiful selfie of the two of them together. They'd become fast friends. By entering into conversation with each other, they found what they had in common. By getting to know each other, they were able to love each other. They were able to see past their differences, different skin tones, different faiths. And they were able to reach a common point. Friends, that is what we have to do. We have to get to know our neighbor. And to do that, it means having some difficult conversations. Some conversations we might not have 
want to have. Conversations about power. Conversations about institutional racism. Conversations about what makes us afraid. What brings us comfort. Honest conversations about what's different among us and what's the same. Our society is facing a divide like I have never seen. And it is up to us to heal this divide. It's up to us as followers of Christ to reach out with the same healing touch that Christ reached out in the garden. And this might seem like a momentous job. It might seem like an impossible job. A job that we cannot accomplish. Remember, Scripture also says, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. If you have the faith, our faith can move mountains. But we need to not be surprised when God hands us a shovel. Because our faith calls us to get to work. To get in the down and dirty. To work to move that mountain. God can move the mountain, but God's going to do it through us. God can heal this divide, but God is going to do it through us. We are going to do it by following the examples of Christ. By loving our neighbor, but first knowing our neighbor. So I implore you, learn, meet, get to know somebody different than you. Get to know somebody of a different race, a different nationality, someone who speaks a different language, a different gender, a different socioeconomic background, a different sexual orientation, someone different than you. Get to know your neighbors. And when you know them, you can grow to love them. And it's through that love that the divide will be healed. The gap will be closed. Friends, there are Christians in this world that worship differently than us, that look differently than us, that speak differently than us, that smell differently than us. There are people of different socioeconomic backgrounds. But we all gather around one table. And we all worship one God. And we need to follow that God's example. And we need to act. Amen.